Everyone has their passion projects, but it's not every day that that project becomes a successful business. It's even harder when that passion project is in a niche market like photography. Seth Browernick, the founder of World Red Eye Productions, started out small and has reached the big time. From starting out documenting Miami's clubs and nightlife, to becoming the go-to photographer for some of today's most high-profile celebrity icons. At this Ivy Ideas Night, Browernick discussed his story of dominating a niche market, shaping Miami's culture, and scaling his passion to become one of the leaders in his industry. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's purest source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor-distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor-distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smartwater or Smartwater Sparkling today and at your local retailer. Tell us that. Background and really how you discovered your passion for photography. So, I uh, started in high school where I was taking photos of things that I liked. Um, I was a swimmer and I did one photo and I liked photos. So, uh, I took photos of all my friends. I won an award. Uh, I still to this day don't understand what's so special about that photo, um, but it was, came in first place. Uh, just so everyone you knows, so fourth generation Miami Beach, my great grandpa and grandpa built uh, all of the first hotels here in Miami Beach. Um, in Miami Beach, or in Miami. Uh, so I won a award, uh, first place in uh, Florida's Dade County Youth Fair for a photo. And my parents were trying to push me into photography after that. I really didn't see it. Uh, I was 16, 15, 16, 17. So uh, I took it as a second year elective. The school made it a special kind of granted me uh, permission to take it as a second year elective. From that, I went to FIU. I built a portfolio. First class I walked into was photography, and I ended up failing it. I uh, never wanted to see a camera again. But 1998, uh, Super Bowl weekend here, I, my father gave this guy, Mark Abrams, his first job in advertising 30, 40 years before that. He was starting OceanDrive.com, so Ocean Drive magazine. Uh, at the time, .com, this is 20 years ago, .com really didn't exist. So it was kind of the first of its kind. You take a photo, put it on the website, and everybody saw it the next morning. Uh, that was 20 years ago. I was the first one in Florida to have a digital camera. Um, I was using my dad's very first night. I got sent with uh, what soon to be years later, the editor of Ocean Drive, Susie Bunkley, who both started at the same time. Uh, her and I were sent on assignment together to cover Super Bowl parties. Very first party I went into, and I liked going to nightclubs at the time, was a party at Liquid um, with Dennis Rodman, who was dressed in drag. That was the very first photo I got. Second one was Puffy. Third one was one of the Baldwin brothers, and I was like hooked. So the second night was Cher. Um, I really wanted to see Cher at Liquid, which was the hot club back then. So, what kind of grew from 
uh, something that wasn't a passion at the time, and kind of I really enjoyed going to nightclubs, quickly grew into uh, a, a business. So, why did you take that opportunity to? Well, what happened was the Ocean Drive was kind of where I, would, I was an intern for six months. Uh, so I didn't get paid and I needed to find a way to make money. I was kicked out of my parents' house and I was promoting, handing out flyers for Barbara Liquid at the time, Chris Pichellum. And I started taking photos for him at $100 a week for Liquid Barbara. And then I started doing, um, for Ian Schrager, I was the first photographer ever in the Delano at the time. So um, I think that I kind of evolved into a business through taking people's photos, putting them on a medium, having people see their photos the next day, promoting the brands and the clubs at the time that I was getting some really weird feedback. Can we cut this down a little bit? But you understood at the time that there was a lot of opportunity. Well, there was there was nothing. Bringing everyone out. There was nothing doing what, what I did at the time. Um, there were photographers, but they were not allowed into nightclubs. It's very different than it is today. Uh, today, nightclubs are open to photographers. Back then, I was captured, but you would not see behind a belt rope. So I almost claimed that I ruined my money in a way in nightclubs because I was the one that was giving away all the secrets that happened behind the belt ropes. You would only see them in the Ocean Drive, or, you know, back then it was in Casares and Chris Pacello were the kings of Miami, and they were dating Madonna and Sylvester Stallone. So it went from kind of this passion that I really started loving what I was doing into a profession. Pretty quickly, in about four or five months, I was making some, right. some decent money. Yeah. And why did you decide to stay in Miami versus going to an LA or New York? Well, I kind of had no choice. I wasn't the smartest person in, in college. I failed out of college. Um, really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was making fake IDs. I was doing other <laughs> things that I kind of shouldn't say. But uh, it kind of grew into something here. and. At that point, there wasn't even a, a thought in my mind of I should leave my own. I kind of was following in my ancestors' footsteps and creating a uh, something special in Miami that anybody could be a part of. I had no idea what this was going to turn into 20 years ago. And this is the 20th year anniversary of what I'm doing. So. At what point or at any point you know, did you really struggle with what you're doing? How did you overcome that struggle? Um, struggle is real. Like, uh, to this day, the struggle is real, as yeah. Jessica can probably tell you. Um, Jessica back there. That's my entire right? <laughs> um, so, look, there's ups and downs with everything. Uh, it's how you get through them and uh, come, come across them. Kind of, it's just how you kind of pave your way around it. I always have a smile on my face, so not always, but. When you guys have seen me, I will always pretty much have a smile on my face. I get through life laughing and loving and being happy and yeah, I have bad days, but at the end of the day, it's this job doesn't define who I am, kind of has, but inside there is a, uh, I don't want to fail and I will not fail. And I've said that since day one, there is no failure for this. 
So mistakes happen, you learn from your mistakes, you move on, and you go with what your heart tells you to do. So it's confidence and passion. I didn't have the confidence up until probably the first three years of doing this. So confidence came with the job. I was the guy that would hand the high in the corner, and this job makes you be social. It makes you do things that you're uncomfortable with. You can ask Alejandro that's sitting right here. It's, you know, we have like photographers that come in here. You know, now I, I pride myself on uh, giving people a chance that I see something in. Um, Alejandro was working at at Urban Outfitters. I had another kid that was working at GameStop. These kids, I look for something that there's a spark in them. Like I found it myself years ago. So. Um, you know, there is that spark that I think everybody has to have. And they love something. Right. Right. Yeah. So on the more the business side, can you share one or two you know, big challenges that were really difficult to overcome? Uh, big challenges that were hard to overcome. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I, I, I can tell you, growing a business, um, dealing with our photographers is probably to this day still the hardest thing that we have. Uh, we give our photographers, we've got sometimes between 15 and 20 of them, uh, that um, this is solely what they do. Uh, there is, that's, that's a struggle that we have, and that's running business. What about on the client side? What's challenging with clients? Um, Meeting the demands, I deal with a lot of personalities every day. I'm really good at it. I deal with the David Gruffins and the Craig Robbins and the George Therese's. And they like me because I do a great job. I follow through with everything I do. And I don't fuck up. Excuse me. If we fuck up, we say we fucked up and we move on. And that's it. We try not to hide it, but we don't like the it. <laughs> so, um, and that's it. I really, uh, I really try to make everybody happy. And you just mentioned some pretty powerful things here from Miami. So, who are some of your mentors in Miami or abroad or New York, LA, whoever, who've given you the advice and tools to make this business happen and make it flourish? Okay, so back then, uh, as far as photography went, I really didn't have too many. Uh, you know, I started something that was brand new here. 1998. Digital photography did not exist. So literally when I would take a picture of somebody, if I get too far off something, so uh, digital photography did not exist. So when we would take pictures of people, they'd look at the camera. Um, remind me what the question was. Your mentors. So back then I kind of really had to teach myself um, how to catalog photos, how to edit photos. I had an ADD, so teaching all that was my, kind of myself. But my mentors at the time was uh, my editor, Glenn Alvin, who's the editor of Ocean, who was the editor of Ocean Drive back then, which uh, he was the crown jewel of my editing. He spoke at that time, Ocean Drive was the Bible of my editing, so there was no real online presence. So Glenn Alvin came from Interview Magazine, he kind of taught me how to look at a photo and uh, break it down, make sure people can tell what's in the photo and what's not in the photo. And um, He's just one. And then I had one of my best friends today, Sean Drake, um, taught me a lot um, how to um, 
seeing people for who they are that kind of ruined my, uh, my vision in a way and clouded it. Tell me how to hate more. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing too. I think, that, I think that's a good thing too. So, um, uh, yeah, those are the two people that, that really, uh, you know, I, whenever I take a photo, I still think of the two in my head, like, of what to look for in a photo. Which builds upon my next question. So, you know, even though you're kind of the first behind the ropes, taking really great behind the scenes photos, how did you carve out your style and your niche to grow your business? Because that's really tricky. It's a very blended um, business. So, that was one thing, again, I really pride myself on was that when people would look at a photo of mine, they would know that it was mine. And our photographers have a literally like 40, 50 page manual before they get to shooting events by themselves. I kind of instill in them how I want the photos to be seen. The photos have to be, you feel like you're there. They have to tell a story. So, is everybody familiar with World Bet Up here? If you're not, you shouldn't follow us. You're not following right now on Instagram right now. <laughs> okay. Um, but everybody, what, what we do is we try to make a story, we document. At the end of the day, that's really what we do is we document the growth of the city in many different aspects. Um, Nightlife was one of the biggest. So when people look at our website, they should not be able to tell one photographer from the other kind of loosen that grip up a little bit, but I want the photos to be full of life and have personality through people and uh, kind of take on their own life with us. I mean, I think one of the, you know, one of the highlights of what you guys do is if you look at other cities in photography, World Reddit does a great job about A, turning it around quickly, which is big in the society we live in, what makes you so into But also you have a very, um, Stylized perspective. It's not just a photo, which no. I think. We shut the flash off. When we take a, a photo, we, we take a photo for, for press, what you see in an Us Weekly or People Magazine. Um, and then we, I tell the photographers once they get that, shut the flash off and do it for yourself. Find the art and what you do. And that is really what drives me to this day is the art of photography, not the business of photography. The business is what makes me money, but what keeps our business going every day. And our photographers keeping their life going is the art of it. So I don't look for a guy that can take a great photo with a flash on, because anybody can do it. You all have iPhones, you guys can all do it. What we do is not brain surgery, but what we try to do is try to find that moment without a flash and try to catch moments. Let's go back to the history of Miami. We touched a bit upon how you, know, you got access to the club at a time when it was very hard to get access to. How has the culture of Miami shaped your business and with the evolution? Because it has changed so much within the past five years. How have you evolved with it? Uh, I mean, so 20 years ago when uh, I started, there was the design district, but it looked very different than it does today. Uh, so with my, with the city, with, as the city grew, my business exploded. Um, and I would say probably over the last eight years, nine years is when we really saw a boom in Miami and it was a boom for our business with the design district, with Brickell City Center, with um, all the museums that have popped up. And I really 
proud of what we do, and I do think that the most important piece of what has made Miami explode is our gospel, because the culture now runs through our streets everywhere you go. Yep. You go through Winwood. Winwood wasn't there up until seven, eight years ago. Um, and my friends at the time, I was there. My friends were painting murals 20 years ago in Winwood when it didn't exist. I had friends that lived in um, artist homes and artist buildings and in Winwood. And so way before everybody else knew what Winwood was, we all kind of did. And so I grew with the people that grew around me, uh, which is really important. I don't burn bridges. So uh, everybody I met 20 years ago is still a friend, is still a client. I could probably name on one hand the people that I don't talk to over the last 20 years. So what would you say then for Miami, you know, thinking 20 years back and thinking currently Miami is the biggest change? And the culture, and then the community. Miami, art, art. We, with this, Miami Beach was always seen as a very artistic haven, an artist haven, and I think that went away a long time ago. And it moved over to Winwood, it moved over to Design District. Um, there's other things, you know, whenever people from New York and LA thought of Miami, they thought of Miami Beach, they didn't realize that there was a whole other side of Miami. But now, you know, it kills me because I, I have a house in Miami Beach. There's a lot more going on in the side of the bridge than there is over there. And this is home. So I grew up in Pinecrest. I knew what else went on in Miami. Uh, I knew Al Malnick and Sharif Malnick growing up and who they were. These are people that are still here today that help grow the city. Let's talk a little bit about technology. Because you mentioned you guys were really the first digital photography company to, to make a splash. In my opinion. In my opinion. How has social media affected what you did? Um, okay, so I used to sell photos, make a living on selling photos. The majority of our business, photo businesses, we get hired for a lot of events during our Basel. We get hired for about 500 plus events. We shoot 500 things in one week. We have a staff of like 50 for that week. Um, the, the social media, how does it affect So, the, the um, social media part didn't, it affected photo sales. So, I don't sell photos anymore. So all the photos that you see in the Yes Weekly of people in the front Miami, the majority of them are, are, are ours, but they're giveaways. So I, the highest price I ever got um, on a photo was about $100,000, and it was J-Lo and Mark Anthony. Those days are kind of gone. Social media now, all of you guys have cameras, all of you can catch your own moments. It's kind of destroyed what we do, what the photographers that do. But at the end of the day, that didn't hurt the event side getting hired for this. And the perspective. Which, right, right. So we still have 40 retainer clients. We still have um, an average of about 100 things a week that we shoot and get paid for. But at the end of the day, we stopped. This photo sales stopped. Then the other side was I see that everybody wants to become a social media influencer. So now, I think I've seen a few in the design district. Right, a lot. <laughs> so, I, 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 it's funny because I think of 
if you say that you're an influencer, you're not. Because <laughs> celebrities, celebrities don't call themselves celebrities. Artists, real artists, don't call themselves artists. And sorry, I think an influencer is like a pathetic term. Sorry if anybody's an influencer. But that's not saying that I don't respect some of it. But now what that did is I pride myself on creating a subculture in my head, creating a society. That's not really that I created it. We documented it and we helped push society forward, creating an art culture and society. Now, with Instagram, there is this weird thing of influencers that think that they're society. And guess what? They're not. You can all buy followers. Congratulations. But like, they're not society. And that kills me. I'll see it straight to their faces. It gets my blood boiling. My girlfriend's sitting up here laughing because we talk about it a lot. And it's a very, very hurtful term to where real influencers that are in the society, and I can name a hundred of them, no, we won't. don't have any followers. They don't care about having followers. Right. They have their friends, they're on private, and that is real influencers. That's real society. Someone like you has been influential in the society. So let's talk a little bit more about photography, how you use it to tell a story. Because I can say as an outsider, I think people have a misperception of I am you, what it is, and that we don't have art and culture. So it has it been a goal of World Red Eye to show Miami in a different light, not just the art side, but so, the philanthropic side. So if you were asking me five years ago what kind of photographer I am, I would tell you I'm a celebrity photographer. Today, I don't say that. I say we shoot arts and culture, and we help develop society. And that's really what it is. We document the society, we document the growth of the city. So, yeah. And where, like, how big is your company now? What are the next steps for your company? So, as Lindsay kind of mentioned, we have started um, other, I have seen my business just Redeveloped in so many ways. The one thing I've never done is gone after something. Um, when I have done it, it typically doesn't work out. Everything in my career has happened very organically, and uh, this next phase in what I'm doing has happened kind of at the right time. I fell out of love with what I'm doing over the last seven, eight years. I still love it, but I'm not in love with it, and I wanted to find something else that kind of grew everything together, and I noticed that a lot of clients over the last, you guys have heard of the Pegasus horse race? So we, I don't know if anybody's heard of that, so I helped develop the Pegasus horse race, and what that is, it's a $14 million uh, winner takes all, the most expensive thoroughbred race in the world. So it's here in Miami, Gulfstream. I help them live there and do the mid-boardwalk. So my client is Melinda Stronach. This was the first time that I got to be creative in doing something else. I developed a magazine and became a publisher of a magazine for her. We did a lot of all of our content. Lindsay was our editor. Um, we did that like a month and a half. Right. So what we do now is we want to build content because of a lot of our clients. At the end of the day, that's what we do is we develop content every second of the day. There's literally somebody shooting or doing something all day long. And. This is what do you do now? Oh, yeah. So, back to that. Um, so, the next phase was uh, creating this digital 
agency marketing um, that has social media and kind of brings everything into a, like Lindsay said, a 360. There's events, I, and I'm not, I just don't want to take on a hundred clients. I want a handful of really amazing clients, which we've been lucky enough, Lindsay and I have been working on it together over the last few months. And Lindsay's brought like this, this new uh, energy to me. And Lindsay comes from a design and architecture background. I come from content marketing. I develop brands every day. I help create brand identities, people's brand identities. So there was a match here. And what we did was we created this like digital marketing agency and it happened out of nowhere. So it's a keep your eyes open for opportunity. Yeah. Let's take a deeper dive into my because I think that um, there's so much opportunity here and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on someone who's been here for so long and there's so many people. What do you see as the opportunities in my Even from just a business perspective, is it tech, is it media, is it healthcare, what is it, you know, in your perspective? Miami has a lot to offer. The problem with Miami is it doesn't have a lot of growth. Meaning, it's not a substantial place to grow a business for a lot of people. And I, I don't mean to scare anybody. It's like the people that stand out here, it's not like New York or LA that you can kind of hide amongst people. The people that stand out and have successful businesses are people that do not stop working all day and all night. Right. Like, I used to work 16 to 18 hour days every single day up until like five years ago. And I realized at 35, okay, I want kids, I want a life, I want to take a vacation and not have to worry about things. So, you know, it's I've kind of tried to take a backseat, not shoot as much. There's uh there's constantly there's constant growth here. There's just finding different ways, I guess. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. <laughs> you see there's opportunity. I'm gonna go around in circles a lot. You see there's opportunity, but you have to work more. So what if you can give, you know, kind of in closing before we open to Q&A, what would be your one teaching to all entrepreneurs here starting a business in Miami? Hustle and get your face out there. I see that you guys are doing that here. Right. I was lucky enough to be paid to go and socialize. It's now I, I want to hide on my couch and sit and watch TV at night. But I, I'll say this, I've earned it. And it took me a long time to realize that I can, I don't have to be out every night. Once you get to a place where you can feel comfortable um, and your business kind of runs and you've got great help, and by great help, I mean Jessica, so that day, she's the best. Everybody um, but I mean, everybody needs a Jessica. That's it. <laughs> um, it's just I mean, really- it's important. You have to have a good team. You have to keep small overhead, it sounds like, and be passionate about what you We didn't grow too fast. I didn't take crazy, payrolls, um, hey, I didn't want to grow, my, you know, my dad said to me the other day, it's been a very slow incline for me, uh, meaning I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't peak too fast. I have friends now that have peaked at 35, 40, 45 years old, and they don't know what they're doing with their life. I don't ever want to be in that position. I always want to have a really good head until I sell my business. I really want to develop a bit. What, what drove me to do what I'm doing and be so excited about it is I got to create something that everybody gets to be part of. And uh, I love personalities. I love documentation. I love documenting things in general. And 
I've been lucky enough to really do what I love. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's purest source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor-distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smart Water or Smart Water Sparkling today and at your local retailer.